Welcome to episode 28 of Miles and Pints, the Travel and Beer Podcast. I'm Derek Dye. And I'm Jeff Brownson, and together we're drinking our way through this amazing world, one pint at a time. Whether you love to travel, you love a cold local beer, or you just can't get enough of either, you're listening to the right podcast. That's what we're here to talk about. Today, we have the conclusion of our interview with Mike Dixon from The Great Lost Bear. Last week, we talked to Mike about his long history working for one of the best beer bars in the world and the evolution of craft beer in America. If you haven't listened to that yet, be sure to go back and catch episode 27. This week, we hear some of Mike's guesses about the future of craft beer as we come out of the pandemic, get a few recommendations of where to travel for great beer, and even hear what Mike pours when it's time to relax at the end of a long day. If you hang around after the interview, you'll also get our take on the latest happenings in the credit card and travel rewards world in our Miles and Pints with Points segment. Before we get to our interview, though, let's take a minute to thank our regular listeners. Without you, we'd just be talking to ourselves. If you haven't already, click that button to subscribe to the show so you won't miss anything we have coming down the line. We're also excited to announce our second sponsor for the podcast this week. Former guest Eric Coleman and his company, Beer by Coleman, have agreed to help support the show, and we couldn't be happier to have them. And now, after this quick word from our sponsor, let's get to the good part. Sit back, relax, crack open your favorite brew, and enjoy our chat with Mike. Are you looking into opening a new brewery, distillery, or craft beer bar? Or are you already an owner or operator, and you're looking for help to go from surviving to thriving? Maybe you're simply looking for a finely curated virtual craft beer or beverage tasting experience for your business or organization. Well, look no further. Beer by Coleman can help with all of this and more. They're the solution you're looking for for your craft beer and beverage needs. Find out more at beerbycoleman.com and stay tuned for the launch of their brand new podcast, What Are We Drinking About? with Bougie and the Beerst. And it sounds like piecing all of this together, 2020 for the Great Lost Bear was probably way down in terms of draft beer sales, mm-hmm. but up in terms of to-go food and canned beer. Is, mm-hmm. that, is that accurate? Yes, that is. Yeah, We were doing much less draft sales, but the takeout was the primary focus of what we were doing. There was just very little dining options to be had. But the fact that we were able to sell cans with that takeout order or packaged liquor was... A nice trickle plus, but it wasn't a big thing. Do you expect that that will continue even as people can come out, that they may come and have a few beers and then do a takeout order and take that home and continue drinking? We're all wondering about that. It seems like it worked out okay, and I don't see why not. The the rules seem to be changing a little bit across the board on and off premise. I always Um, laughed when we lived in Pennsylvania because they have some some of what I think are the weirdest laws but if you wanted a six pack of beer the only place you could buy that was at a bar yeah i was like wait so when i am need to go home because i've had too much to drink i can just grab a six pack and walk out the door it doesn't make any sense i think you can do drive through though too yeah although there's drive-through distributors but you can't buy you can't buy a six pack there yeah i've bought yingling that way before from oh yeah i've gone to drive-through i've been to a drive-through 
I think it was a drive-through margarita place in New Orleans. I, I've done that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the frozen daiquiri. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah. Nine o'clock in the morning, you're picking up a frozen daiquiri. We had uh, my wife and I had breakfast at a place in uh, New Orleans, and we had bikes for the day, and we were going to go ride around. And they were like, "Do you need anything to go? A cocktail?" And we're like, "No, we're on bikes." And they're like, "Oh, it has baskets. We can put it right in the basket." And we're like, "Yeah." So we walked out the door with two king cake cocktails and yeah. had this sweet, delicious treat. And they're like, "Now, don't drink it while you're riding, but whenever you're stopped, you can." Drink. Oh, of course. Like, okay. You will not win in that town. I mean, they will just always. It's. Yeah, I've, we'd go down for Jazz Fest, and it was just so much fun. Oh, yeah. But it was yeah. a 72-hour event. And we were talking a little bit earlier, I hinted at it, that Great Laws Bear has some great pub grub. And I call it pub grub. You may call it something else, but it's it's a, it's a bar food, but it's really good. Pub fare, eclectic yeah. menu. I and love using that word. I think <laughs> I think the Great Laws Bear is a, is a must sea destination for craft beer lovers especially when you're in portland maine Mm -hmm. but it's worthy of a trip in and of itself but i think the food helps set you guys apart because even if people in your crowd aren't craft beer fans they're still going to enjoy the food Mm -hmm. i agreed and that happens more often than hey i'm just not into microbrews that's fine have a cocktail a glass of wine or a beverage have some of of your famous uh, peanut butter and jelly buffalo wings oh yeah some hellfire wings going to the other end of the spectrum too. Set you up with that if you guys come back for lunch for sure. And you were telling us a funny story about the Great Lost Bear and uh, Super Bowl and uh, the Super Bowl experience during COVID. Tell our listeners about that. Well, because we typically don't do, uh, we're not a destination for the Super Bowl. We're a destination for people who don't want to be involved with the Super Bowl. So we have one TV in the lounge, which we're sitting in front of right now. So never really a big day for us. Not night. a sports bar. Not a sports right. bar. I guess that's the general way to put it. So this particular year, we were open, but we were also prepared for takeout because we watched the gauge of the takeout meter go up more and more and more, even as the weather got nicer. Of course, this is the fall. I'm sorry, no, it was in the middle of the winter. So we knew the takeout was going to be big, and we ended up doing more wing sales than we did the previous Super Bowl Sunday. And uh, it just caught us off guard. We didn't catch us off guard. We were ready, but we didn't think you want to be more than ready. We yeah, were yeah. right there. Because <laughs> we, were, because, we were down to the last case, pretty much. And yeah. because people weren't going to sports bars to watch the Super Bowl, exactly. all of a sudden Great Lost Bear is a food destination right. for your Super Bowl parties. And a lot of people weren't having any Super Bowl parties or large groups, so everybody was on their own, doing their, own, their own thing. Yeah, the miniature version if, of their Super Bowl day, you know? Because if you go to a sports bar, you'll get the wings that are there, even if they're not that great. But if you're at home, you're going to pick the wings that you love. And yeah, that's the wings right. here. Exactly. So yeah. Everyone had that choice, and it, that's another one. It'll be interesting to see next Super Bowl. I I don't envy you having to try to predict what's going to happen there. I know. <laughs> I wonder. Here, yeah, like, but if we wonder if we keep on wondering when will you see the mass gatherings, the football games, and concerts, and even what we used to do here on Thursday night showcases. We'd pack people in here. I mean, if you go to Florida or Texas, I think they're doing that now, right? Wide open. <laughs> Wide open. Yeah, I don't think they ever really, I mean, they weren't red. They were sterno red. I mean, like, who would want to go there? I mean, people say, oh, my goodness, what's it's, going on? But ooh. It's crazy how different things are. And even where we're from in Maryland and Virginia, things have opened up a little bit more. And we came up here and see stuff back closed up to where we were maybe a couple of months ago. And, I mean, we're comfortable with that because – that's where we were right but it's 
it's almost like I, well, well, why is it safer for us down there and not for you guys up here? It's, we really got to see uh, the landscape of this country from state to state. Yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, Geographically, really, the restrictions are just so. All nothing over the place. was universal. Right. It was yeah. just crazy. No. It made one's, one's hot, one's not. Uh, you can do this, you can't do this. Just doesn't make any sense. We did a spring break road trip through the Midwest, and we just we landed and then rented a car and drove through a few states, and we just kept looking around like no no one here knows how to wear a mask. It's not over their nose. Like there was a guy who was wearing it on his chin. I was like that doesn't cover cover either. <laughs> and it wasn't just like he had pulled it down to do something. That's how he was wearing his yeah, mask. He's that like, was I his, have a mask uh, on. That's like, it. No, it's my compliance. Not here not I am. So it was. I mean, we were just like. Uh, this is different. This yeah. is not what we're comfortable with. It really was. I've ne- we've never seen anything like it before where there was such a uh, – it was it just doesn't make any sense to me that one state would have this right. type of restriction and, or regulation or what you should be doing. To me, it was like, just wear the mask. Yeah. And we can slowly open up. <laughs> and before we move on to the rest of the interview, I, I think it – uh, is required that we ask you as a manager of one of the world's most famous beer bars. Thank you. Could you have ever, or did you ever expect anything like 2020 for the restaurant business? Absolutely. And, and not. how hard was it to do your job on a day-to-day basis? You know, it's it still seems surreal. That day, sitting at the bar, and that announcement was made that. We had to close that day, and I do remember saying this. Well, we'll we'll tough it out for a couple of weeks, and I did actually say that, and that was so far from what actually happened. Then the reality set in, but I think it was such a shock for a lot of people. I mean, I know a lot of places just turned off the lights and locked the door and walked away, with maybe not the intention of ever coming back. I don't know if that was the case, but. It is a shame to see the casualties of this throughout the city, and nobody wants to end it that way. But some places, I mean, when you had to, if you had eight tables and now you only have four, how do you keep the lights on? Yeah, you know, sure. It's tough. Sure. Yeah, if you're because yeah. your rent didn't go down. Exactly. Yeah. So expected to pay the same amount, or if you have, I mean, if you have a, a tiny place that uh, we were in uh, a bar called Maps last oh, night. Yeah. That's they, small. It's one of yeah, it's one of their favorite places, and they were like, we're, "We'll go, but we don't know if we'll be able to go in because it was small to start with." And right. They had people socially distanced. They just there opened were, back up. I don't yeah. know. There were maybe a dozen people in there. I think. Oh, that's good. And I mean, yeah. But it's I mean, it's a small place, and you can see how that would just be packed on a normal day. Right. Yeah. So it's I I mean, hopefully they own that space or they I don't know. Yeah, unlikely. Yeah, but yeah. It's, so it's been tough for the uh, those smaller venues. You know, we've managed, and you know, we just sort of reinvent ourselves along the way. But just much leaner. You know, we've uh, put a lot of things on the magnifying glass. And, and when you go in seven days a week, twelve hours a day, and you're redlining, I think it's been. I think a lot of places have found those silver linings of hey, what can we do better? You know, maybe we should take this off the menu. It's not that popular, and keeping an eye on the front of the house and the back of the house like never before. And did you guys have to do a lot of analysis of the food menu as far as what would travel? And ta- like, did you cut a lot of stuff just because it oh, wasn't good absolutely. after 15 minutes in the car? Right. We, I mean, the, the appetizer menu we knew was going to be the go-to. And then we just added from there more burgers, cheesesteaks, and so on and so forth. And eventually chili just sort of baby-stepped our way back into the more popular items on the menu. We also had to look at if the product that, is needed to make one particular style of sandwich. Can we use it in another? I mean, we're going to be sitting on this product 
before it's prepped. And we had to think about things like that more, too. So Yeah, because you aren't going to sell 10 of it. Right. But if you sell three of this and three of this and three of this, then mm-hmm. I'll use that. Exactly. Well, buying tuna. We had tuna on the menu. We buy it fresh from Harbor Fish downtown every day, as fresh as can be. But right now, we, we may only sell one, and then, then it's sushi, and then... Then it's not fresh as can be. It's not fresh. It becomes a spicy tuna. <laughs> yeah, the spicy tuna roll or something. We'd never do that, but... Uh, so, yeah, we had to look at things that, uh, is it feasible to bring this back? Is it going to be enough demand for us? So we just add things very slowly, and, uh, and it's worked. And uh, like I said earlier, um, we have a new menu today and new hours starting today. We're open from noontime till 10 o'clock, seven days a week, starting today. Which starting is, May 1st, yeah. Yep. So pretty excited about that. So I want to go back real quick to one thing that we kind of glossed over. I don't even know if you mentioned it here, but I was at Maine Beer Company yesterday, and I was chatting with the bartender because I, I had talked to one of their marketing, one of the women in marketing, and she was like, oh, we can't do this Sunday, but we'll talk another time because mm-hmm. I was looking for a, a, someone to record with tomorrow. And I was chatting with him, and I was like, oh, we were talking to Mike on it, uh, Great Lost Bear tomorrow. And he was like, oh, yeah, that's such a cool spot. And uh, did you know that they were the first place to have Allagash on draft and then went into this thing? And earlier you mentioned to us when I was asking you about where the taps were, you're like, we have Allagash Alley over here. And this guy told me, like, you have this specialty Allagash zone. So talk to us a little bit about that, because I don't think most people would know that unless they've been here. The relationship with Allagash and how you have like just a section for just them. We um, brought on the Allagash Alley for all those specialty logs, the Curio, Triple, Interlude, uh, Little Sal, Seasonals, and uh, Tessa, who is my uh, sales rep from Allagash, is fantastic, and giving me that update on the list. And uh, They also have cut back their production, too, so it's pick and choose, but we decided to uh, create Allagash Alley for Allagash, and they've been wonderful to us, and they did their first draft right here we actually have a plaque up on the bar where rob sat and every year during that anniversary he comes back and sits on that stool has a cup of chili and a glass of allagash it's pretty cool oh that's really yeah that's so, really cool yeah, we've been friends for a long time but so when we had more room and we were adding on more taps it's like well where else can we put them so let's put this cooler behind the bar and we'll call it allagash alley and that's it stuck so we rotate that out all the time and yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. I love that you guys can have such a, a supportive culture and have such a relationship with the local breweries. And we mentioned before, and anyone who is a beer drinker knows Portland has a stupid amount of delicious, yeah. amazing breweries. But the fact that you guys can support them and kind of put it all in one place, and it's, like we said, a destination in its own. Yes, it's nice to visit the breweries, but if you want to try six different beers from different breweries in one night this is the place to come absolutely and that's we feel like we're in the triangle between um allagash and the industrial park uh bayside or east side and then bissell and the other we're right, right in the middle so whenever there was a beer event uh, a beer tasting we were always the go-to okay we're done having the little four ounce yeah. five ounce taster let's go have a steak sandwich and a nice allagash white or a, or a bissell substance and it's everything's so fresh you mentioned kind of off the cuff you're like well yeah we get our tuna fresh every day from the boat just over yeah. there and it but it's same just with the beer this town yeah. the seafood and the beer you're getting it it's produced you get it you serve it yep it's it's like the 
the farm to table of beer and seafood. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and we're liking the, the cost effectiveness of obviously a, a half barrel is a better per ounce cost for us. Um, but because of the limited amount that we have, we'd rather go with the log. We, we're going to go through it a lot quicker. It's fresher. Um, nothing really sits anyway, but we just like having a lot more room right now for the can beers too. 80 half kegs would be a lot of that would be a refrigerated lot. space. Yeah, I would say <laughs> before the pandemic of those 80, maybe 30 were half barrels and everything else was logs, which is still a lot. And but. for those uh, that heard what Mike just said about being located in the Triangle in Portland, if you haven't been to Portland, I would highly recommend scoping it out and planning your route because there is a lot of beer involved and you can save money on ubers or lifts or taxis mm-hmm. our plan sarah and i every year do the same thing saturday is our day for allagash foundation austin street and all of those up in the industrial oh, park Oh, great they'll be waiting for you we do those <laughs> first and then we uh, swing by in an uber about halfway back to town right uh from from allagash and we have our lunch here uh, spend the afternoon at Great Lost Bear, and then head back into town. And you split up your rides, save money, and if you map it out, you're not spending a lot of time in a car. You go out to Allagash and Foundation, all those first, head back to Great Lost Bear for the afternoon, and then you head back into town for the evening and the nightcap, and, and you minimize your time in the car. Perfect route. See, Good way Jeff, to start. It's almost like yeah. you've been doing this for it, a while. I know. That was well rehearsed. <laughs> ju- ju- just remember, for everyone listening, and especially for Jeff, I was told today that I am perfect. I believe it. I'm, I'm not, perfect. I'm not sure who told you that, but... Mm. <laughs> I'm looking. All right. No, no, no one's confirming it. Maybe I'm not perfect. Maybe I'm not perfect. But no one's challenging you, though, either. That's true. That is true. Well, I mean, I thought I challenged. I would like to officially challenge that. <laughs> Jeff logs a protest. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, not what I – you're pretty good. I'll give you that. Thank you. Thank you. One last question about mm-hmm. Great Lost Bear, and then we'll move on to you personally. Um, have you had – I mean, it's a famous beer bar, and it's you've been here for 35-plus years. I'm sure you've had some famous people here, some celebrities. T- tell our listeners a little bit about some of those interesting encounters with oh, there's customers. Been a, there's been a few. Most of them in the brew world. Jim Cook comes to mind right away, and Fred Forsley from Shipyard. Um, Sam from Dogfish Head. I mean, obviously, Let's Rob see. comes here every year. Oh, yeah. From <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, countless. Alpha Magic Hat back in the day. Um, and we have um, Dave for a while when we did our showcases on Thursday night. Whoever was coming up for that night, if someone like Jim Cook would um, get him behind the pit in the kitchen with Charlie washing dishes, snap a photo. Very cool. Put him in the uh, gallery of shame by the restrooms. So a lot so, of beer celebrities coming yeah, in. Yeah, so if you want to find out big who, names yeah. from beer breweries that you can get all over the country, mm-hmm. he can get a picture of them. You know, in the gallery behind the line, which is pretty cool. Yeah, but yeah, I can I can spend such a long time. I mean, nobody comes to mind, but other than famous brewers yeah. and owners. And, and again, this yeah. is a beer destination for beer geeks. If you've never been to Portland and you've never been to the Great Lost Bear, the bar itself is worthy of a trip to Portland, even if you don't go anywhere else. And many beer geeks, Jeff and myself included, come <laughs> to Portland to visit the Great Lost Bear. So, again, if you're listening you haven't 
Portland, Maine is not on your radar. A great Lost Bear was not on your radar. Book a trip, uh, especially summer of travel 2021. Head to Portland, head to the Great Lost Bear, and you will not regret that decision because it's an awesome, awesome place. No, I, th- I mean, I'm on my fourth little cup of beer here. <laughs> I mean, they're not full pints we're drinking here, <laughs> and I certainly don't re- regret coming here at this point. <laughs> Perfect. the sour from the Yes Brewing Company. Perfect. Mike, yes. let's let's switch topics a little bit mm-hmm. before we move to you and your personal travels, uh, the other portion of our show, beer and travels. But let's talk briefly um, and generally about the craft beer scene. You mentioned uh, early 90s, there was this explosion in, uh, explosion in craft beer and the microbrewery scene, and, and Great Lost Bear itself went from maybe a dozen taps to 36 fairly quickly. Are we in a craft beer bubble? Do you think it can continue expanding like it has even in the last five or ten years? I, I think right now I can't imagine anyone considering to open up a new brewery. I think we're going to see a few casualties in that market, too. Right now, though, I think everyone's holding on to their own, which is great news. I know this has been a big hit <clears throat> for the breweries because 75% of their um, product was, was racked in kegs and sent to the on-premise accounts, restaurants, and bars. Losing that is a, is a striking blow. Um, but everyone seems to have found a way to re-diversify uh, Canon, for instance, um, limiting what they're putting out there you know, the numbers are low there's no doubt about that but i see i think we are in a bubble but hopefully it's got a thick skin on it and we can get through this and they'll do fine and i wonder if that's somewhat regional too because you guys have so many breweries here is it does it seem more like a bubble in the new england area because so many breweries have opened up and maybe somewhere like in the midwest it's still on the upswing there that's a good, yeah, that's a good way to put it because I think that is, you know, that saturation point has definitely been met. Um, there's just a lot of them out there, but they all seem to be doing quite well. I haven't heard about anybody closing their doors. And and I think I read in the Portland area there's now over 30 breweries. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yep. Um, there is actually one just, just that did open up, Bellflower. Bellflower just opened up too. People wanted to check out later on, so... They opened during COVID? Just about a month ago. Wow. From a brewer from Trillium and a brewer from Baxter. Oh, so they don't know what they're doing, right? <laughs> no, no clue at all. No. They were just out there with plastic cups and straws. They had nothing. Just hoping for the best. Yeah. <laughs> Throwing and hot see, dogs against the wall. They looked around. They were like, well, there doesn't seem to be much beer in this town. Maybe we'll throw our shingle out there. <laughs> yeah, we'll... And Jeff, this is the problem. I had not heard of this brewery. 15 seconds ago, and now I have to try everything they're making. I know. It's right? on your way back into the old port, too. <laughs> there we so. go. We got another so in, one on the list this yeah. afternoon. In my obsessive trying to schedule a brewery for tomorrow, I did email them. Um, I don't – I'm not sure if they're one of the ones that got back to me, but we got a pretty good response of people saying very nicely, I'm sorry we can't do this on Sunday because I emailed them on Friday about recording <laughs> on Sunday, which I fully expected, and we did find one that's going to talk to us. And a couple other were like, yeah, we'll talk to you next time you come in. But I did know that brewery existed. I had no idea it was that new. Very new, yeah. That's I'm just Turnkey I'm... pretty much for them, too. So. Great. Yeah. Mike, what do you see from us, specifically the Portland beer scene, as we you know sort of transition, hopefully, out of the pandemic 
back to our new normal, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we'll ever go back to the old way of things, but what do you see from the Portland craft beer scenes? Do you think they're going to continue more canning, more distribution on their own, or do you think we're going to go back to, you know, 75% or whatever number you mentioned going on, uh, into kegs and, and onto restaurant it tab would, lines? It would be nice to see that. I think for the from the brewer's standpoint, that's what they'd like to see, but I think the fact that they've gotten into more canning, which is getting them into more on and off premise accounts is a big focus for them and i don't think they're going to be able to pull back from that too and there is something about the can to be said that people do like the cans they like the artwork they take the cans with them and we're sort of looking at that ourselves that maybe we won't expand any more draft lines but maybe we'll increase the availability of what we have in cans and i think it's really cool what we've seen because that's you've very to goable too You've seen a lot of breweries, even during the pandemic, start to work with local artists, and they do the cans, and then they put the artist's name on it, and it's, it's, it's really cool. I know I do uh, a, a 360. I set up a little turntable. I made it out of an office chair, and my my son is obsessed with making me a better one, and he bought a bearing just the other day. So who knows what <laughs> he started welding? He, who knows what he'll come up with? But I do like a little turntable and a 360 on the cans because some of them are so interesting. They really are. They're really cool. People like to see that, and, and it just adds to before you drink the beer. So I think obviously you're going to get the best flavors and the flavors as they're designed if you pour that can out into a glass. But for transportation purposes, the cans are it's, great. It's really neat. We actually a former employer lawyer, uh, Laura, who is uh, Dave and Wesley's niece, works here as a waitress and a bartender, th does a lot of artwork for Definitive. Oh, and okay. it's sort of taken off for her, so she's done some really cool things. And that's one of the breweries that I think is out on the Allagash circuit when we mm -hmm. get out that You'll way. see that when you take <laughs> that. Yeah, it's right there. So a lot of that artwork you see on Definitive Cans is the uh, work of Laura. So it's pretty cool. And that was my last question sort of about Portland. Uh, as we've heard, Great Lost Bear has all of these legacy employees. You mentioned uh, an employee here uh, working for another uh, brewer to do their artwork. There's really a, a, a great sense of camaraderie in the Portland beer scene, and everyone seems to get along. Is that is that from an outside standpoint? Absolutely. Is that, is that true? That's, it's so unique. I mean, just the collaborations that they do has been fantastic. And, yeah, there always seems to be somebody helping somebody out there short on product or they need something from the local brew shop or something. There's, there's, yeah, there's, I mean, there's no handouts, but everyone is willing to help each other out, which I think is – yeah, I mean, you'd never see Anheuser-Busch call Miller and say, hey, uh, you guys need some cooperage this week? You can know? we get some grain? Yeah, can we get <laughs> some grain? Can we, we borrow a couple of your trucks? We joked around uh, <laughs> the last brewery we talked to, uh, from Fabio down at uh, Dynasty Brewing in Virginia, and he was talking about, like, they really cooperate down there. He's like, and uh, this brewery might come and borrow some yeast or borrow some grain. It was like, no, no, you can't just borrow that. <laughs> you yeah. have to. But, I mean, obviously, they get Now they're in your the lab run, under but... the magnifying glass. Like, yeah, we got it. Let's go. You know. <laughs> He's like, I'm just going to use it quick for one beer, and then I'll bring it back. To yeah, you. right. I mean, I guess with yeast, you can do some of yeah. that, but you probably Then you read wouldn't. about them on the Time magazine, like, wait a second. <laughs> and I guess there's no one really to benefit more from that relationship and sense of camaraderie in, in Portland 
than the Great Lost Bear because you all aren't brewing your own beer. So when all the brewers are getting along, working together, and make for a peaceful relationship, you all benefit from that because they're sending all their delicious stuff over to you guys to sell. Absolutely. It works. Yeah. We, we keep the kindness together for sure. Yeah, we do a lot of brew events before the pandemic on Thursday nights where we would have more than one brewery in there. So it's an it's a opportunity for them to get their staff in here and have a few beers and have some appetizers and converse and have a great time. We miss those. I feel like this is my first trip to the Portland area, and I've been here a total of one night now and chatted with you for a couple hours, and I don't see how I'm not going to come back here at least once or twice a year from now on. Cause That's it's good just, news. It's such a fun community. Yeah. and a, So you've won me over, and Yay. hopefully a lot and of you our get listeners to see, will You get to see too. an interesting layout of, of – that's one thing about the pandemic. I mean, if you, if you take the bad B-movie equation out of it and you drive around town and go, wow, I never knew this place was here, but there was nobody around. And that's sort of a little bit like it's still that way. It's not congested. It's easy to navigate through the city and go to a lot of places that are open now. I think it's uh, we're on the other side of it, but, you know. Safety first. Well, unlike <laughs> Jeff, I discovered Portland almost a decade ago. I've been coming religiously and loving every minute of it. So, Well the, deserved. For the newbie Jeff, I'm glad he's having fun and he's seen the light and he's ready to come back to Portland, Maine. It so, seems it, like this it, is one case where I should have listened to Derek. It may be, it may be, <laughs> maybe his title that he has earned should be given Perfection. to him. Perfection. Perfection. Yes. Perfection. So, <laughs> no longer challenge it. Although I would like to just continue the the rest of the interview by talking about how great I am, let's let's talk, <laughs> let's talk about you instead. Since you're that would be a <laughs> short interview. <laughs> You've already hinted to us that you like to travel. Mm-hmm. You lived with your parents at some point in Europe. You mentioned you like to go to Jazz Fest in New Orleans. Uh, let's piv- let's pivot now to your travels, uh, and we'll talk about beer travels. What are the, your favorite destinations in the uh, U.S. first? You can talk about international after. Where do you like to go in the U.S. for beer? Um, well, the West Coast is always great. But one thing that Dave and I were doing before, again, I hate to say it, before the pandemic, was we'd do the Craft Brew Alliance every year. I don't know if you're aware of that, but it's in a different city every year. So they'd put on a theme. The last one we went to was in Nashville. It was the first time it was in Nashville. So every year it's a different city. So that's how we would pick and choose. But I don't think I have... I'd have to say New England, where I am, my backyard, this this is it. I mean, this. Yeah, it's hard when you live in Portland to, like, pick out another city. You can, yeah. You can go to Burlington. I, I mean, I do to... like going to New York. I do like going to Philadelphia. I mean, and those are two great places to have their beer week. The, the Philly Beer Week is one of the best. Indeed. Go, oh, yes. One of the best. Have you, by chance, done the San Francisco Beer Week? No. I feel like I've mentioned it on the podcast a few times. I feel like it's an underrated beer scene. Yeah. Uh, in my personal opinion, any beer week that includes tons, um, maybe unlimited amounts of Pliny the Elder is probably uh, good and, in and, its own right. And Anchor Steam. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. I mean, deserves all the. Uh... Take a look at San Francisco Beer Week. I, I feel like it's a lot like the Philly Beer Week. Those are two of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I agree with you. Philly Beer Week is fantastic. Yeah, it is. It's a lot of fun. And uh, seeing all the reinvented places down in the industrial zone, which was unheard of walking through in the middle of the day now, you know, Arcade and all those other cool places that are down there. So, yeah. And while we're on the topic of Philly, it is interesting we would talk about Philly while sitting at the Great Lost Bear because I have three beer bars in the United States that I would consider my three favorite 
miles ahead of everywhere else. One is the Great Lost Bear. One Yay. is Monks in Philly. And we talked about that. We did. Uh, if you've never been to Monks in Philly, also worth its own trip. Dangerous. Then, a little dangerous yes. when you go to Monks. And the Moulet Frite is, is uh, the best, my wife says, outside of, well, I would say outside of Belgium, but she didn't enjoy it there. So best Moulet Frite she's ever had. Uh, and then the third place would be Falling Rock Tap House in Denver. Um, the common theme with two of those is they get Pliny the Elder. So, oh, there um, it is. It's I, a destination. I, I'm a hophead. So, yeah, yeah. But, that's uh, a cool brewery. Yeah, it's really cool that you mentioned Philly because again, monks, world class beer bar like the Great Lost Bear, and you can't go wrong with either of those destinations. Yeah, you cannot. So let's talk about international a little bit. Are, are there places that you've traveled specifically for the beer, or places that you kind of wanted to get those influences, or places that you just said? Um, I you got there and you were like, man, this is good beer. London Cask Brew Festival. That's a, was that's the only one I've been to that's been international, but it's something else. I've, it's amazing. I'm amazed at beer in London overall because they're they're intensely prideful about their neighborhoods, and it's oh. I mean you go to a pub and they have their own cask ale, mm -hmm. and then you walk a block and a half and there's another pub and they're this completely different microcosm of existence. And that's why and this cask brew like fest is so much yeah. fun because it's all of those villages that it's this Hobbitville type event going on. These people come out of the woodwork with their specialties and their it's it's amazing it's really i'd highly recommend it i didn't even know that existed but as soon as you said oh. that i was like oh yeah this is something i need to go just to. Uh, you know, pens and full-size cask oh just wonderful guess what jeff we're so, planning another trip something else i didn't know existed 15 <laughs> seconds ago and now i have to do it and there well, you're is. a bad we, influence we this cannot is bad for me we cannot get through a podcast episode without deciding we have to plan a trip somewhere. Yeah, Correct. making a list <laughs> that's great last week we were running with the bulls now we're going to go to london those i mean those are pretty close together we could we could knock both continent. of those out in the same trip yeah you could yeah 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 yeah. Probably not run with the Bulls after the Cask Beer Festival. We probably want to have a, you a little get, delay to recover. Get that yeah yeah out of the way first, you know, and make it through it. Then yeah, reward we, yourself with the Cask Brew event. Yeah, yeah, I like that idea. Yeah. It, if we survive, we get Cask Beer. There's about a three week difference too, isn't the run of the Bulls in? No, it's is it June? No, you're, it's not you're, that early. you're much more prepared for this discussion than Jeff and I are. I'm so. fairly confident that we need to shoot Mike an email. When yes. Yeah, let me know. Because I know that world's us. largest tomato fight, too, which is at the same oh, time. That's super cool. I've seen videos. Yeah. I mean, we could put that as the trifecta. <laughs> we call it a day. <laughs> it sounds like Mike's in for this trip. So yeah. It's definitely yeah. happening. Yeah. Any places not beer related that you have traveled over the years and just that you feel like people should see that they're missing out if they don't go to uh, a non-beer or i mean they oh, can be beer or non-beer yeah, i've just... always felt in ybor city in florida was a neat little place to kind of go check out for beer um, right outside of tampa yeah yeah, yeah mm -hmm. kind of a neat little place um other than that it's a, it's our personal destinations which I don't want anybody else to know about. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping them to yeah, yourself. Yeah, we traveled they, with Dave and Wesley. Uh, they have a timeshare in Aruba, and we travel every year in June. I mean, uh, uh, December. And, of course, we didn't go this year, but it broke our streak. But um, we love it. We travel with them. And then Bird and I traveled 
by ourselves in March, usually to the Bahamas or the Caribbean. And we haven't done that either, but nor has anybody else. Right. Get so away to somewhere I'm warm okay. and Yeah. Yeah. We, we boat in the summer, so um, we'll spend a lot of time out in the bay. And you guys are more than welcome to come up this summer, and I'll take you on a little tour of Casco Bay. I'm in. Yeah? yeah I, I mean... I, I hope that Sarah is sitting over there booking our flights for us right now. <laughs> it, it, it will probably happen. Last question, Mike. Mm-hmm. End of a long work day at the Great Lost Bear. What are you pouring yourself first? Allagash White. I'm an Allagash White font fan. The old standby. Yeah. And consistency, consistency, consistency. Love it. Yeah. It's always been a favorite. Refreshing. I, I like how quickly you answered that. You And, and I can... Tell all our listeners while sitting here and looking at Mike face to face, there was no hesitation. None at there all. There was a sense of conviction on his face. Just Allagash White. Quality control. I get to taste one every day. There you so go. Like, these are my people. This is what yeah. they're producing. Is do good love stuff. the hot beers. Don't get me wrong, but um, that just stands alone for me. You know, and an iconic beer as we discussed. Yeah. So that's a that's a great selection. Mike, thank you so much for your thank time. Thank you. Yeah, as we close up here, just real quickly, let our listeners know where they can find you personally or where they can find The Great Lost Bear online. TheGreatLostBear.com. It will have our menu on there as well as a beer menu, and you can portal off from different links there as well. Um, We're open seven days a week now. As of today, 12 p.m. to 10 p.m., seven days a week. But if you need any more information, www.greatlostbear.com. And we can find all your social through those links. We'll link up to all that. We're linked to Untapped as well. We do all updates on Untapped. We just got back on board with them, which is a fantastic venue for us. So uh, I can honestly say I'm sold. My first trip here. You guys aren't even open yet today, and I'm already ready to come back. Perfect. Thank you so much for sitting down with us. It's My been a pleasure. Great Thank you so much. Someone that uh, absolutely knows the beer industry for years and years in the Portland area, one of the I premier <laughs> beer destinations in the U.S. So thank you, Mike. Thank you. Thank you. It was so much fun talking to Mike and hanging out at the Great Lost Bear, but now it's time to get into some updates, and there are a lot of them this week. Are you ready to go, Derek? You know, the only thing I I think I like more than the Great Lost Bear and craft beer might be brand new credit cards, Jeff. And we have one to talk about, right? We do. It's one that I'm not too excited about, but uh, everyone should know about because it could be great for some people. And that's the new Altitude Connect card from U.S. Bank. They're coming out swinging with a 50,000-point bonus when you spend $3,000 in the first 120 days, and they're waiving the $95 annual fee the first year, which is a feature we used to see from a lot of cards. They would waive that annual fee the first year, and I feel like that's kind of gone away over the last couple of years. So nice to see that coming back. Yeah, it's definitely a good thing to waive the annual fee for the first year. And uh, there's two pieces, I think, that are really good for the average person, Jeff, for this offer. Number one, you don't have to have a prior relationship with U.S. Bank to be eligible for this card, like you had to for the Altitude Reserve. Um, And two, you get uncapped four times points on travel and at gas stations. Uh, It's one of the few cards that is completely uncapped for gas. And 4X, which is convertible uh, for one cent each, so 4% cash back uncapped at gas stations, is pretty much... um, 
you know, pretty much a rarity in our, in our space. So for those of you that can really maximize gas spend and gas station spend, even if it's not on gas, wink, wink, uh, this is a really good card uh, until U.S. Bank lays eyes on your account, then you may be shut down. But uh, really good, and as you mentioned, waiving that 95 fee for the first year is awesome. And that shutdown is something that people should be aware of because the people who got the Altitude Reserve card and really hit that hard with some spending um, in non-traditional ways got those accounts closed pretty quickly. So this will be a good card for travel and for gas for getting your 4% back, but uh, don't get ridiculous with it or you won't have it for very long. And cash out those points as fast as you can, right? The moment that sign-up bonus hits, go ahead and convert it to 500 bucks, and uh, get that money in your account. And then you can uh, go spend at a gas station a little aggressively. The one feature that I thought is almost silly on this card is there's a $30 credit for an annual... It, it's a $30 credit for streaming service purchases, but that's an annual credit. And it says for Netflix or Spotify, but $30 is just like, that's not much. I guess with only a $95 annual fee, you can't hope for much more than that. But a streaming service is, by definition, usually something you pay for every month. So why do one small annual credit on it? I don't, I'm not sure I get that. But just a little bonus feature they threw in there, I guess. Yeah, and I, <laughs> I, saw, this, uh, I saw this offer, Jeff, and I immediately thought, man... Once you get that sign-up bonus, for those of you that can maximize it, if you actually have this card 12 months down the road for that annual subscription for the uh, for the $30 credit, you might be playing your cards wrong because there's probably a pretty good chance you get shut down within 12 months if you're hitting it like I know of a bunch of our crew will do. Yeah, so card for some people, not a card for other people. If you're under 524, I certainly would not recommend it, but... There you have it, the new U.S. Bank Altitude Connect. We have some targeted offers this week that have gotten into the realm of crazy. I feel like these crazy. just keep going up and up every time we talk. And we'll start out with the uh, American Express Business Platinum card. We've seen targeted offers this week uh, for several people of 150,000 points after $15,000 in spend in the first three months. And that, I believe, is the highest offer ever on that MX Business Platinum card. Is that correct? I believe that's right, Jeff. And you know what's even more interesting than these targeted offers is the amount of no lifetime language offers and targeted offers in people's Amex's account. For those listeners that are unfamiliar with Amex no lifetime language, Amex typically restricts you to one sign-up bonus per card in a seven-year time frame. It's been reduced, we think, to about five years after closing a card, but you can only get it once. There, these targeted offers, most of them, uh, include no, no lifetime language restrictions so that you, even if you have the card currently or you've had it recently with a sign-up bonus, you might be able and eligible to get that sign-up bonus again. I know that I have personally received two Biz Platinum sign-up bonuses since October of 2020, so only seven months, and I am currently targeted for that 150000 Biz Platinum after 15 k spend in three months. So if I accept that offer, and I think I'm going to once we knock out a, another bonus or two, um, that would be my third Biz Platinum sign-up bonus in the last seven months. Absolutely unheard of, like you say, Jeff, the highest ever offer and the 
incredibly large number of people that are targeted with this no lifetime language. Yeah, that's a huge benefit of those targeted offers from Amex. They also have an offer out on the Amex Business Gold, which is for 90,000 points after 10,000 in spend in three months, which makes me a little sad because it's 5,000 more points than what we got for Chrissy just last week. But we did get those 30,000 referral points from my Platinum card, which I noticed has gone back down to 15,000 in the main referral area. Amex, however, doing something a little tricky. If I look down in my Amex offers on my Platinum card, it shows that there is still a 30,000-point referral offer available. So it depends on where you click it, apparently. Up top, where you would normally look for referrals, it's 15,000 points. Down at the bottom, it's 30,000 points. So be careful, Amex getting a little tricky in those uh, offers and referrals. And right now, it seems like there's almost like an IT glitch at Amex or something. They are just throwing out stupid amounts of points. And every we joke, but every week it seems like it's going up and up and up. So if you have a no lifetime language offer, uh, hit it if, if you can hit the spend. Uh, it's the only way you can get a second uh, sign-up bonus within that seven-year period unless you're targeted for some type of upgrade offer. Uh, if you have a 30K referral, like Jeff mentioned, and you need another Amex card, that's a great way to stack. Uh, even for those under 524, just refer a player to, to a business card stay, and don't increase your 524 count. So Amex, stupid amount of points. Uh, everybody should sign up for one if, if they can and they can hit uh, have a plan for hitting that spin. Great offers. But you know, Jeff, Amex is not the only one talking about stupid amounts of points this week. Chase joined in uh, the uh, crazy offers this week. Reports out of also targeted, we believe, in-branch offers for the Chase Inc. business preferred. Uh, typical typical offer that's been the offer for about a year is 100000 uh, Chase Ultimate Rewards after 15000 spend in three months. We are hearing in-branch offers of 160,000 points. The typical 100000 after 15 spend, but then an additional 60,000 points after a total of 50000 in spend. What's your thoughts on that offer, Jeff? So basically what they've done for this in-branch offer is they've taken their normal offer and just tacked on a little extra for those who are going to spend more. I think it's a great thing for them to do. I would love to see it more widely targeted. Not everyone has a branch near them or a relationship with a Chase banker that they can take advantage of. But if you have a business that has a decent amount of spending and can hit that 50,000 spend, especially if you can hit it in some of those categories that earn extra points or some of those um, multiplier categories on the Chase Inc. There's the opportunity to earn just a ton of points with this card. And Ultimate Rewards points, as you know, one of the more valuable currencies. Lots of places to transfer those. So huge fan of this offer. Would love to see it more widely targeted. We can hope for that as time goes on. Maybe they're just testing it in branch. But good to see that uh, I guess Chase is jumping on the crazy offer train with Amex. Yeah, that's great. great to see. They've also, we talk every week about the uh, Chase My Bonus site, and uh, I've started getting some more emails about this. I read about it a couple days ago, and then I got an email this morning, but many of the co-branded cards, if you have any of the hotel or airline cards from Chase, 
are seeing my bonus offers of 10x spend at that co-branded partner, so at that hotel or that airline, for up to $1,500 in spend. So it's a quick way to earn some some quick points on those cards, but definitely take a look to see if you're eligible for those. Like I said, I got an, an email today for my Marriott card, and I had previously done the 5x spending offer on that just last week. So these are on top, and they're adding on that 10x spend at the partners. And it's a good reminder, before it seemed that these Chase My Bonus offers were tied to quarters, we're now seeing these new offers in the middle of quarter two. Um, I think everyone, you know, if, you're, if you've been checking this, you know, every month or two, it's worth, you know, making it maybe not weekly, but every couple of weeks check it. This is definitely an off-cycle uh, promotion, not tied to a quarter. So a lot of people that were, like you say, Jeff, you had a you already had a quarter two promotion on your Marriott card and you got a new offer. So add it to your to-do list, check it every, you know, week to 10 days, and hopefully you get these targeted offers. It's a great way to get increased points if you're able to do the spend. And definitely pay attention to your emails too. If you have email marketing turned on for the banks, I've gotten all of these what typically you would find at the My Bonus site, I've received emails for all of those offers for my cards with an easy button to just click to activate. So keep an eye on your email. Don't just delete anything that comes in, uh, but actually read it, and you may be able to quickly activate these promos from Chase. The last thing in credit cards this week, and I'm sure there's more smaller things that have gone on, but hopefully we've hit the big ones, is uh, a quick update on my plan. Last week, I we talked about how I had an offer for the Quicksilver card, and I was thinking of applying for that and then eventually upgrading that to a Capital One Venture card. And I thought, before I do that, I should probably go through and organize my cards. I thought, we probably don't have that many because we've canceled a few. We haven't applied for too many. So first of all, I found that Chrissy and I still have 50 open credit cards between the two of us. Which was, I, I mean, I guess I have two little business card wallets with credit cards, so I knew we had a bunch. But that was a higher number than I expected. But then when I actually looked at the dates and I checked to double check to make sure she's still well under 524, but I found that I am actually under 524, which I didn't think I was anywhere close to that. There we go. I wish everyone could have been a fly on the wall for that text conversation last week between Jeff and I. I mean, it was epic. You know, it was just uh, a bunch of all caps t- texting, uh, maybe a curse word or two. And, and Jeff was just so elated to figure out, hey, we're both under 524. Like, you know, the sky is the limit. One of those uh, really uh, light bulb moments where the light bulb went off and, oh, it's a whole new world. Right, Jeff? I could not believe it. Not only am I sitting at 424 right now, but in June, another one falls off. In August, another one falls off. And then December, another one falls off. So if I don't get new cards, I'll be down to 124 in December. Unbelievable. I mean, obviously, I will get new cards. But I I could very easily get some business cards and a couple of chase cards and spend the next year earning a whole bunch of ultimate rewards points and other chase points maybe grab one of those united quest cards uh, who knows what i'm going to do it's it's a whole nother amount of planning that i have to do to figure it out but that first card that i'm going to get before may 22nd which is a, a new date i don't think we had last podcast 
that is reportedly the end of the offer on the Sapphire Preferred card, which my wife has, so she will refer me over, get some points for her, and I will get that 80,000 point bonus for the Sapphire Preferred. Pretty excited about that. And honestly, we've, we've said it over and over and over again, Jeff, and just briefly, we got a lot of info to get through today, but remember, if you and Player 2 are eligible before May 22nd, sign up for a CSP from a from a friend or family referral or from your favorite blog, Facebook group, and then uh, as soon as that card is in hand and you are eligible, refer your player to uh, a player two sign up, eighty thousand each, a fifteen k referral. You're at one hundred and seventy five thousand URs in just a month or two. Plus, you'd have a total of a hundred dollars between the two of you in grocery credits. So that is a no brainer, and you have ten more days to hit that. So. Time is running out. Speaking of running out, that's all of our credit card news, the major news for the week. Moving on to hotels, we have some really interesting job offers, Jeff. Yeah, this this was an odd one, and I honestly, I looked pretty hard at this, but the timing doesn't work out for me. But Days In is doing a neat promo this summer. Not promo, but it's, I think they're calling it a sunturnship. But they are going to pay someone $10,000 to spend two weeks staying at Days Inn hotels and taking photos and putting them on social media. And they will use the photos on the Days Inn website. So you have to be a pretty good photographer. But they'll give you $10,000 for that two weeks of your time in August this year. Plus, they will give you a daily stipend for food. And at the end, you get a recommendation from a hotel executive to add to your portfolio, whether that be for photography or for working with hotels or whatever you want. So a great opportunity to apply. You need to do a 300-word little application question answer, and you have to include one photograph. So I I don't know how you would possibly pick which one to do, but it better be a good one because I would guess they'll get a lot of applications for this. Kind of a cool little thing from Days In, not typically somewhere that we think of as having luxury and amazing properties that you would want to photograph, but I guess that's, that's why they're doing this, trying to get people to realize that they do have some great places to stay. And unfortunately, Jeff, I was eliminated the moment you said you need to be a pretty good photographer because I basically suck. So there's no hope for me. You know, um, as as awesome as it sounds, I, I have no chance. I think the whole being a lawyer and having to be in court regularly also would keep you from doing the two straight weeks of, of travel at days in. Just a thought. Yeah, that's probably true as well. Speaking of photography, Jeff... Thinking of hotels and hotel pools, what do you think is the most photographed, if, if you were guessing, the most photographed hotel pool in the United States over the last year to 18 months? Well, I think the TWA hotel pool has to be pretty high up there, if not the top most photographed one. But I think that that, that ranking is going to go down, 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 down with some changes they've recently made. The TWA Hotel has been a spot for AV geeks and points and miles people and travelers that they absolutely love to visit. There's an observation deck and rooftop pool that overlooks the tarmac at JFK, and people love the view from that pool. 
people visit. People sometimes stay at the hotel. It's a little pricey and hasn't gotten great reviews, but actually just going and walking around and visiting has been a huge thing for travel people and miles and points people. But TWA has said enough of that, and they are going to start charging. This sounds like a program enhancement. Is that is that how they're phrasing it, Jeff? Like like most quote-unquote enhancements? I don't think they phrased it. I think they just added it on, and eventually people noticed. And it may be that it's been there for a little <laughs> bit, but now with COVID, things have gotten to the point of ridiculous. Because if you want to go to the rooftop observation deck or to the pool at the TWA Hotel in New York, you now have to pay a reservation fee that on weekends goes up to $50 per person for adults. It's a little bit lower for kids. It's a little bit lower during the week. But on a weekend, $50 per person. And guess how long you get to stay there for? One hour and 45 minutes. That's it. It's absolutely crazy. Yeah. One hour and 45 minutes at the pool at a hotel that you're already paying to stay at. This is for hotel guests. Right. And I think it's fair to say, Jeff, that, I mean, this is now an iconic hotel location due to, as you mentioned, it overlooking the tarmac at JFK. And the main reason to go there is for those views, which are most viewable from the rooftop deck and the rooftop pool. So for an average couple... Uh, that's going on a weekend, you might as well just add $100 to the published rate because you're going to the rooftop at a minimum, probably to the rooftop pool to get some uh, views of the tarmac. And for, I mean, I can only imagine for a family of four, you're looking at, you know, $150 or more per night to the published rate. So major devaluation there. Um, I, I mean, People are still going to go. It's still an avgeek paradise. It's still one of those iconic places for the YouTubers and the Instagram legends and those types of things. But again, you might as well just add this price to the nightly rate because it's something you're going to pay to go see. And two things that really bother me about this. One is the fact that it doesn't, you say add it to your nightly price, but it only gets you an hour and 45 minutes of access. You don't even get access for the full time you're staying at the hotel if you do pay this. And second, they, in their normal rates, they're already charging, I think it was $17 and change as a facility fee. So they're charging you for facilities and then not letting you use the facilities and then charging you extra to use the facilities. So just piling on the charges from the TWA Hotel in New York. I haven't stayed there. I don't know if you have, but I, I don't plan on a stay anytime soon, and I'm certainly not going to pop in and try and get up to the rooftop pool. Yeah, agreed on all those counts. I haven't been there. It was on my destinations uh, list, but we hardly ever go through JFK. It's not on our radar anytime soon, and, and $100 for Sarah and I to to go to the pool for an hour, 45 minutes, isn't going to happen anytime soon. So that's the hotel news for the week. We can move on to the airlines. Jeff booked a really awesome trip this week based on a Delta award sell. I think it was first alerted uh, to the Points and Miles community by Rick, our buddy Rick in Travel on Points, put this out uh, mid-afternoon the other day. Delta had a crazy, crazy award sale, Jeff, to Alaska from pretty much all over the United States. It was as low as 5,000 sky miles round trip uh, to go to cities in Alaska. 
they're not your uh, sky pesos anymore, I guess, Jeff. No, and Alaska, a great place to visit during the summer especially. It gets nice and warm. The hiking, the views are gorgeous. I've been to Alaska twice, and I did not hesitate to book a trip for this, for my third trip there. The 5,000 points round trip was from certain cities in the, the northwest, and that is was for basic economy. But even once you get over all the way to the east coast to where I am in D.C., and bump it up to regular economy instead of basic. It was only 12,000 miles round trip for me from DC to, uh, I booked Anchorage first, then ran into a little bit of a rental car problem, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And then I ended up canceling that and I booked into Juneau instead. And I'm gonna fly over and take uh, a couple of days exploring Glacier Bay National Park and then a few days in Juneau. There's some wonderful things to do there with whale watching and kayaking and hiking. So very excited about that trip. Again, only 12,000 miles from D.C. in regular economy on Delta. So huge props to them for putting out some of these great sales to get people back traveling. Delta, on the other hand, also has one of our stranger or bad or ooh, I think they played that wrong news items this week. And that is they are hugely understaffed for their Sky Club reopenings, especially in the Atlanta area. Reports are coming out that there are more than 100 people short-staffed in Atlanta. So rather than get people hired or delay the opening, they sent out a memo to pilots, flight attendants, um, any of their workers in the Atlanta area, Asking local employees to volunteer to come in and help with cleaning at the Sky Clubs. Bottom line, not a good look, right? I mean, no, I can't imagine why they would do that. They, I mean, they want everyone to be part of the family and be part of Delta, but I just it, like it's nice that you flew the plane. Now stop in and clean for a couple hours before you go home. Oh, and by the way, we're probably not going to pay you for that. I just don't. Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah. And, and and again, I mean, you know, not to get into labor issues, but most of Delta's employees are union employees and I'm I'm really kind of shocked that this would even be allowed. Um and I'm 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 certain there's they couldn't require it would be my guess. So that's why they probably and they didn't want to pay for it. Uh so that's probably why they asked for volunteers, but it seems really, really, really bizarre to me and it's it's not a good look at all. Yeah. I think maybe just delay a little bit when you open the sky clubs if you're having trouble finding employees. But <laughs> I don't know. Delta yeah. Delta going for the the big ask, even though they negotiate huge contracts with their pilots and their flight attendants and never volunteer sky club cleaning doesn't enter that conversation, I don't think. But, you know, why not ask for it on the backside? Yeah, very bizarre. Yeah, so Delta, some crazy award sales, but uh, you aren't going to find clean Sky Clubs if you fly with them, probably. So that's Delta this week. American Airlines was the uh, first airline that we've seen adding some fuel stops due to a shortage caused by the hacking of the Colonial Pipeline. This provides a lot of the fuel for the southeastern United States, and there's a fuel sh shortage as a result of that. As of the time of this recording, they have not solved that problem. They don't have fuel back running. Um, so people are starting to have to wait long lines for gas, especially in the southeast. 
but airplanes are also having problems and adding in some fuel stops. I expect to see this for more airlines if this continues on into next week. Yeah, let's hope this is a short problem uh, with a quick fix. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things, it's out of everyone's control at this point, and it's not like airports uh, were planning for this. Uh, So if there's a fuel shortage at one airport over another, plan on those long cross countries to maybe have a, now have a new stop for fuel. So basically until this resolves, just plan for anything because anything is possible, especially if you're on longer, you know, say three plus hour nonstops. And I think my favorite part of this, and you have to find the humor in a bad situation, I guess, is that the people, the hackers came out and said, hey, we're sorry, we didn't really mean to cause so much havoc across the whole country. We were just trying to make some money. And they didn't, I mean, obviously they didn't release the pipeline, but they were like, oh, sorry, yeah, we didn't We didn't think it would cause problems. We just wanted money. So, yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Hopefully they'll find them or give them money or, I don't know, get control of that pipeline back. Because as we head into summer, gas prices always go up because so many more people are driving. And with so much more road travel and road trips this summer, this could snowball into something pretty bad pretty quickly. Yeah, like we needed another disaster in the in the travel world, right, for the summer. Uh, We have rental car problems, we have uh, this pent-up travel demand, and now we may be in the middle of a fuel crisis. So not, not good, but hopefully it's resolved quickly. And as we head into the travel updates part of this segment, I want to, it's been an exciting week for me, (laughs) because not only did I realize I'm under 524, but I also got my second vaccine with no symptoms. I am fully vaccinated. A couple weeks from now, I will be 100% ready to go and travel everywhere. The other fun news is my son, Ryan, who is 17, got his second shot. We both got our shots on Monday of this week, and he is now fully vaccinated. And the day this releases, I managed to get an appointment for my younger son, Cole, who is 14, because this week the FDA authorized the Pfizer vaccine for people 12 and older. So my 14-year-old gets his first shot on Friday. Once he's done a few weeks from now, we will be a fully vaccinated family ready to travel anywhere that will allow us. That's awesome. Congrats to you all. Sarah and I are both fully vaccinated and we are outside of our two-week window. So we are like you, vaccinated and ready to travel. Unfortunately, Jeff, it looks like travel to Australia won't be happening anytime soon. Hidden in the latest budget seems like a uh, disclaimer that travel to Australia may not return until mid-2022 at the earliest, which is not good news for those that had travel plans to Australia canceled in 2020 or 2021, maybe a year or more before we can go. Yeah, and it's not, this isn't something that they announced and made a big fanfare about, and it's not as much a disclaimer as it was just that that's what they're planning for in that budget. So very real possibility that Australia could be staying closed for much longer than we expected. They are doing pretty well with their vaccinations there, but other places in Asia around them, especially India, is having a really, really hard time at this point with COVID still. So they're going to stay closed up and and keep things 
tight and healthy for their citizen. Yeah, and you know, uh, I don't want to be pessimistic about this whole thing, Jeff, but given the way New Zealand and Australia have handled the coronavirus epidemic and the way they really restricted travel, even um, on their own um, islands, and then the travel bu- bubble they form between between themselves. I really don't expect either of those countries to open until the world looks a lot different than it does today, even with vaccines. I really, uh, you know, I don't see Australia really opening or New Zealand opening to vaccinated travel travelers until the world is at a much better place with the coronavirus contained. I think they're probably still afraid of variants. I think they're still afraid that maybe the vaccines don't cover all variants and they're going to open super slowly to make sure it's contained on their islands because they've both done a great job of of eliminating it uh, to the maximum extent possible. And since we can't go to Australia and travel is limited to many, many places still, a lot of people are looking to road trips like we mentioned and car rentals every week we're saying it's not getting better but this week i had an experience where it was just crazy and that was with those delta flights that i was talking about my original plan i had booked a a round trip into anchorage i was going to pick up a car and drive up and see some of the northern parts of alaska that i have not been to and i i booked the flight and then i went to get the rental car next And it was, uh, I was going to be there, I think, five days, but the cheapest was a one-week rental. And with the taxes and fees, it was going to be $2,150 for a one-week rental. It's crazy. Unbelievable. And we're seeing reports of two to three, uh, sometimes even $400 per day for rentals in some places. Other places are just saying, nope, we don't have any cars available. So I would highly recommend if you're getting in on some of these flight deals and you're booking trips for this summer, the flight may be the first thing, but while you're still in that 24-hour free cancellation window, definitely look at your rental car if you need one because there just might not be the one there for you. I joked, uh, I think it was in the Travel on Points group, I joked that it would be actually probably cheaper for me to just buy a car when I got there, drive it around, and hopefully sell it at the end. (laughs) So I don't know what people are going to do. Jeff, maybe I haven't been traveling long enough, but I don't ever remember a time where you plan travel around a rental car. If anything, you would travel, you would plan travel around your flights first and then maybe hotels if there's hotel shortages or it's a big event or something. I've never, ever heard of a time where you plan your hotels and your flights around your rental car. No, it's unheard of in our, in our modern travel times, so... I don't know that it's going to get better. Uber thinks they may have a solution, and that is they added to their app a rental car option right in the app, but that's working with Hertz and Avis and other rental car companies, which if you try to rent directly, don't have any cars available. So I'm not sure that it's actually going to be useful through the Uber app. But if it is, they do have a valet service where you can have the car delivered to wherever you are. It could be a pretty cool feature for Uber to roll out, I'm just not sure it's going to be useful right now when we're having such problems with rental cars overall. Yeah, agreed. Probably really helpful in the future uh, once we're back to normal. 
the amount of rental cars available is back to normal, but until then, agreed, it's probably not going to be helpful. And I feel like I'm a broken record here, Jeff, but again, I will reiterate again this week, doesn't matter when your travel is. If it's tomorrow, if it's at the end of the rental car schedule a year from now, once you have a trip in mind, book your rental car. Throw it in Autoslash, autoslash.com if you're not familiar with it. Uh, let it track prices for you and rebike, uh, rebook if prices go down. But lock in a rental car now. It doesn't matter if it's 24, you're traveling 24 hours from now or 12 months from now. Get a rental car reservation on the books now. You can always rebook if prices drop. But there's a chance that there won't be cars available or prices will continue to skyrocket. And all of a sudden, like Jeff, had to cancel his Anchorage trip and go elsewhere. Uh, you don't want to be stuck paying $2,100 plus for a seven-day rental. And we should mention when you're doing those rentals ahead of time that you're hoping to, if the price drops, you can uh, rebook. Make sure you do not do the prepaid reservations. Make sure you do the reservations that are flexible cancellation. I should also mention, although pricing was crazy in Anchorage, I did look quickly. I'm not sure if I'm going to need a car in Juneau or not because there, I mean, there aren't really roads in Glacier Bay. So when I fly over there or take the ferry over there, I'm not going to need a car at all. But uh, for the couple days that I'll be in Juneau, it was about $84 a day for the rental car all in, which I can deal with. I'm not excited about, but if it's just for a couple of days, I can deal with that. So it's very dependent on location and uh, definitely keep an eye on it. If you are traveling and going somewhere a bit farther away and not going to be driving, or maybe when you fly to where you're going to get your rental car and you have lounge access from a variety of credit cards through the Priority Pass program, good news this week as they are adding over 250 new locations in 2021 to their network. That's 150 new luxury airport lounges and 100 new premium dining and relaxation experiences. This may include airports, uh, rail stations, and seaport lounges. So a variety of things. I'm actually kind of excited about those 100 new uh, dining and relaxation or spa experiences. Those can be some of the best values, I think, if you're making a quick trip through the airport. What do you think about that? Yeah, agreed. Two, th uh, two things really jumped out about this announcement to me, Jeff. One, it's a 20% growth for Priority Pass which just tells you they are they are telling all of us what you and I have been saying for months now it's going to be an unprecedented growth in travel uh, in the in the future right starting this summer uh, a 20 percent growth of lounges uh, and uh, priority pass spots incredible growth uh, they see the uptick in travel coming the second piece Jeff is as you mentioned a hundred new dining. Uh, and uh, spa experiences. I, I've said numerous times, I will continue to say it, I, like you just mentioned, I love the restaurant experience from Priority Pass. A lot of times I find lounges either don't have really good food, uh, really don't have any good drink options, or they're crowded, whereas you can go with a, especially a Chase Sapphire Reserve, which gives you restaurant access, the Amex Priority Pass do not, but the CSR allows you to go to these restaurant experiences and the spa experiences. It's really nice to go to a restaurant, Jeff, and have a $28 
per person credit to spend on whatever you want, uh, whether it be appetizers, uh, entrees, desserts. You could go get $28 worth of dessert each. You could get wine, beer, liquor, uh, juice, coffee, tea, whatever. Uh, you have $28 per person to spend as you see fit at those restaurants. It's, it's probably my favorite perk on the CSR. Uh, if anything tops it, it would just be the insurance. But I absolutely love restaurant access at Priority Pass restaurants. And I have that access through the Priority Pass I get with my uh, Ritz-Carlton cards. And that, so, I mean, technically those are unlimited number of people. So I have, I can buy everything at the restaurant. But really, we just use it for our family of four. But it it is that $28 no matter where you are. So if you're at one of these restaurant locations, I remember when we landed in uh, Australia, in Brisbane, I think it was, we went to get a quick snack before we picked up our rental car a couple years ago. And we were looking at the pricing on the menu and we were like, huh, this is, this is super low compared to U.S. airport pricing. And so we started ordering some breakfast sandwiches and my kids were like, can we get a soda? And I was like, sure. And they were like, can we get this candy for the car and this and that? And finally, I was just like, you can get whatever you want. There is no way we are hitting the limit of what we can get with right. these priority pass cards. So it's, I mean, it's a great option to pick up some snacks for the road and that kind of thing if you're going to be picking up a car. Great to see that. A lot of those Australia places, Jeff, are famous for allowing you to have full bottles of wine to go without even opening it. So you can, you know, between two of you, you can go and get $56 worth of bottled wine as you're leaving the airport. It's unbelievable. And you did mention it, but I want to make sure to hit on the point that uh, the priority passes that you are given or that come as a benefit with American Express cards a couple of years ago, they removed the ability to use those at restaurants. So these dining options, these new places that they're adding to Priority Pass are not going to be available if you're using a card that comes to you through an American Express card. So make sure you know where your Priority Pass comes from. If you have multiple Priority Passes, make sure you're bringing the one that'll get you into these new relaxation places and these new dining experiences because Priority Pass obviously shifting a decent amount to that direction, adding so many of these in 2021. And I think that's all the updates we have for this week. We'll be back next week with your updates for credit cards and hotels and airlines and travel in general. And until then, keep an eye out on your favorite blogs, your favorite Facebook groups. Travel on Points is a great one run by Derek and his wife, Sarah, and a great team of moderators. So take a look there if you want to get updates in between our weekly ones. But we'll see you next week. Well, we hope you had as much fun listening to Mike as we did talking to him. It was such a treat to sit down and record in such an iconic beer location. If you love beer and want to experience the best Maine has to offer all in one place, you need to find your way to Portland to the Great Lost Bear. You definitely won't regret the trip. Thanks again to our sponsor for this episode, Beer by Coleman. Be sure to check out all the services they offer at beerbycoleman.com. All of the important points and links for things that we talked about during our conversation will be in the show notes, so you can pick up anything that you missed the first time through. The easiest place to find those notes is at milesandpints.com. Thanks so much for listening to Miles and Pints, the Travel and Beer podcast. If you like what you heard, 
be sure to subscribe so you can hear all of our new episodes as soon as they're released. Tell your friends and family about us so they can enjoy the show too. And please take a few minutes to leave us a review on your favorite listening platform. In between episodes, you can get more travel and beer content by following at Miles and Pints on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. You can also stop by our Facebook page at facebook.com slash milesandpints. And that's all we have for this episode. Until next time, we hope you'll find yourselves a little bit of travel, a little bit of beer, and a whole lot of fun. Travel.